The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, we are in uh, the season of Christmas, the Advent uh, season, and this is a, a time of the year where anticipation rises uh, in our lives. The, the decorations go up, the trees go up. Uh, if you're anything like my family, uh, that begins from November 1, uh, not December 1, so our tree's been up for a while. Um, how, how many people here are December 1 only people? Yep, okay, there's quite a few of you. Okay, the rest of you are too scared to put up your hand, that's fine. Um, I'm more of a December 1 person, but my wife loves November 1, so guess who wins? Um, the music genre changes, right? So we don't listen to Mariah Carey throughout the whole year, and then we still don't, because <laughs> uh, Buble is allowed to be played, but Mariah Carey is banned from my household. Uh, study wraps up. Uh, the, there's the light at the end of the, the work tunnel. Um, there, there's this sense of the season changes. We feel it. We, we experience it. Um, we even wear shirts that are Christmassy uh, to church. Uh, for those of you who don't know and you're new, uh, I'm not a Christmas guy. Didn't grow up being a Christmas guy. So last year I started a new thing to help me get into the spirit of Christmas by wearing Christmas shirts. And so I wear a different one every Sunday. It's amazing. Thanks for the support. Um, today we're going to read a passage uh, from the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, please turn there. Uh, we're going to be in, in Luke 1. Essentially, this is a moment where uh, the, the people of God are in a moment of anticipation. Um, it's been 400 years since a prophet has spoken and they've been anticipating. They've been waiting for uh, a Messiah to come. And so at this point in time, there's, there's been no Messiah, there's been no prophet, there's been no word of God. And so in many ways, it's a hopeless anticipation. And then one day, an angel comes to this young lady named Mary, and Gabriel tells her that she is going to be the mother of this Messiah King. And we know the end of the story, and I think sometimes we can miss Actually, her response is one of troubledness. She's like, well, that's, that doesn't sound great to me at all. Uh, for, for Mary, uh, it, she in her mind is thinking, well, if, if that's the case, if this immaculate conception thing is going to go ahead, uh, then Joseph, who we've just you know, been engaged for a short he's definitely going to leave me. He's going to walk. I'm going to be this young, unmarried, single mum, I'm, I'm going to be socially ostracized because of that. Nobody's going to, who's going to believe me? No one's going to believe me. She's going to be economically ostracized. Like, how's she going to earn an income? How's she going to make money? So, so her initial response is this, like, it's not this overwhelming sense of joy. It actually says that she's troubled and she dialogues with the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel just keeps trying to encourage her and actually says to her, hey, listen, there's another member of your family, Elizabeth, a relative of yours, she too has had a, a special thing. She's older in age and she has had a, a similar miracle where she is now conceived. And it's this idea of like, hey, I, I get it. Go and talk with, with your relative Elizabeth. So the passage that we're going to read is essentially somewhere between when Gabriel's told of the news and she's troubled and she kind of submits to God and goes, okay, I'm your servant, whatever you say, I'll trust you, but it's not this overwhelming, joyful trust. And then she goes and sees Elizabeth. And then from there, she starts to sing an incredible song. So we're going to pick up from verse 39. And it says, 
says this. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard, Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he was looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So if you read the, the encounter with Gabriel, she, she starts off troubled. She's unsure, but she kind of submits and she says, Okay, God, I, I don't know all things. I don't get how this is going to work, but I know you. I'm going to trust you. But then by the time we get to this song, she is filled with joy. She is rejoicing. She is celebrating. She is singing the first song of Christmas. So something has happened with Mary between the first encounter with, the, with the, uh, the angel and now. Her faith has grown as she has thought about what it actually means that the Messiah will be here. This is an incredible story. I think in the Protestant movement, we sometimes underestimate Mary. I think sometimes we overreact to some of the, the Catholicism stuff with Mary and we go, well, and we forget it. Like, this is a big deal. This is massive. And she trusts God. She embraces the reality of what it means that Jesus is coming to the earth and she will be his mother. Now, faith essentially is just receiving, Right? Uh, this, this Christmas, we, we, we are going to get gifts for family and friends, and we're going to give people gifts. And as we give those gifts, you have to receive it. You have to put out your hand and receive that gift. That's what faith is. And her faith, we can see it's imperfect. She's not filled with joy from the very, very beginning. She, she's troubled. She's struggling. But she still exercises faith. She says, I will trust you. I'm your servant. I'm... I'm the person, the human, you are the God. And so she receives by faith this gift and then she slowly thinks about the gift. I don't know whether it's from the journey to Elizabeth where it's hearing Elizabeth sort of talk to her and it's kind of reframed the way she's thinking about it, but somewhere along the road she has realized, man, God has given me an incredible gift. And she receives it. And so I want to look at four things that she celebrates that I think can help us. And these are all gifts that God will offer us. Number one is the gift of salvation. 
Verse 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices. Troubled, magnifying. My soul, like deep magnifying, rejoicing. It's, it's coming from the depths of her. This is not her turning over some nice, cute new leaf of life. She hasn't learned some new, healthier way to live and it's really working. Her sleep's way better. No, no, something has transformed deep within her soul. And she is now magnifying. She is now rejoicing. And it tells us why. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is a woman who has realized she needs saving. She has recognized that she is a broken sinner who needs to be forgiven and made right with God. And the one whom God is placing within her womb will be the very one that will do the work of saving. That's a crazy thought. Children can bring us a lot of joy, but there's not another person in history who's ever carried around the Savior of the world. And she's thinking through not just the fact that she's going to raise him, she's thinking about not what she's going to do for him, but what this child will one day do for her. Because that's what the promise was. A Messiah is coming, one who will save you. And so she is remembering the Old Testament prophecies of what the Messiah would come and do, that he would come and save, reconcile, redeem, restore, return his people back to himself. Is there anyone here who needs saving? Anyone here who needs forgiveness? Yeah? All right, well, I've got a gift for you, my brother. So you have to receive this by faith. Hey. Thank you. There you go. Merry Christmas. Some of you have noticed there's a few more gifts. I finally got your attention in a sermon. It's, been, it's only taken me six and a bit years to do that. Number one is salvation. God is offering that. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, this is what Jesus offers you that you can be put in a right relationship with God, that you can know the, the creator of the world and be in a relationship with him forever. And not only know him as a God, but as your father. It's a wonderful thing. Grace is the second. Mary initially cannot understand why God would choose her. Why, like, why Mary? Why does Mary get chosen? Why out of all of the women in the world is Mary chosen? Grace. Because God just said, you. There's only one criteria. She had to be female. Okay, that was it. As long as, as, long as you're a female, I know that's a little confusing these days, but as long as you're female, there's a capacity within you to be, able to, to be able to hold a baby and birth a baby and all that sort of stuff. As long as there's the genetic and biological codes and stuff there, that, that was it. There wasn't a sense in which Mary had been this awesome woman of God, this super faithful, super incredible woman. She hasn't done a whole lot of stuff for God in her life. She, she's not an elder of a church. She's not some missionary woman. She hasn't had an, a school named after her. She hasn't done anything. In fact, when the angel comes, this is what the angel said. 
I like to start, greetings, O favoured one. <laughs> I've never met an angel, but I, I hope that's how they talk to me. Oh, greetings. Greetings, O favoured one. The Lord is with you. It says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. Now, to find favour to us sounds like you did something to earn it. That's not what it means. Favour literally means grace. It's unmerited. God has just placed his grace upon you, his favour upon you. He's just simply chosen you out of all the women in the world to carry his only begotten son. It's grace. And she recognises this because she says, he's looked upon the humble estate of his servant, for behold, now all generations will call me blessed. Me? For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Mary sees herself as a nobody. In fact, when, later on, you're going to see that, that after Jesus' birth, Joseph and Mary will actually go to the temple. They're going to offer two pigeons as an offering. Now, in, in the kind of Israeli context, there were different types of offerings that different types of people had to give. So if you're the upper class, you had to give certain offerings. If you're the lower class, certain kinds of offerings. Middle class, certain kinds of offerings. The poor of the poor of the poor's offering were two pigeons. It's this sense of like, they're the poor of the poor. They have nothing. They are nobody. Yet God, by his grace, comes to nobodies. God comes to those who don't deserve. God comes to those who may not have merited something. This is the God that you and I serve. We serve a God of grace. So whether we have done well, are successful, have been faithful, he is faithful. He is gracious. He is merciful. And he offers you his grace. Is there anyone who needs God's grace today? Yes. Okay. We were going to say we knew it would be you, but there you are. Merry Christmas. There you go. God offers salvation as a gift. He offers grace as a gift. And all we do is by faith we receive that. And we say, God, I need your grace. And guess what? God will give it to you. The Bible actually says he will give it to you every single day. Lamentations 3, his mercies are new every day. So tomorrow when you wake up, you're going to need his grace again. Just ask for it again. Number three, strength. Verse 50 says, And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Listen to this. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away. This is an Old Testament allusion to Yahweh's unchanging character. You see, Jesus is a king. He is high and lifted up. He, he lives on a throne, but he is the only king that hops off his throne to come and help those who are a part of his kingdom. No politician serves us in this way. No FIFA representative serves us in this way. They're making squillions right now while we celebrate or mourn, depending on the results that you've seen today. Notice it says that he is merciful to the helpless, merciful to the humble, merciful to the hungry. 
like our world today, the poor, the minorities and the marginalized are left helpless. The weak are left helpless. But God comes in and says, but I am strong and I give my strength to those who are weak. I help those who are in need. In fact, when Jesus uh, first kind of goes into a synagogue, you read this uh, in the book of, of John, he, he kind of stands up and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. Uh, sorry, this is in Luke 4. It says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. This is Jesus. He unrolls the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to, pl- to proclaim the year of the Lord's Savior. And then he literally says, hey guys, this is talking of me. I'm this guy who the prophet Isaiah prophesied, and here I am, and I'm about to do all of this work. I love this, because I don't know about you, but there are days when I'm very, very weak. When I don't have what it takes to do what God's calling me to do. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm filled with anxieties. I, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know how to help this person. I don't know how to do all the things that, that, that are in my world and in my space. But guess what? I have the mighty one who's with me. And he doesn't just help me, he gives me his strength. If you are tired, if you are weary, this king of the universe wants to strengthen you. He wants to help you with the mental health struggle that you're going through, whether it's depression or anxiety. He wants to help you through the difficulties of which you experience. If you're weary, he wants to give you his strength. And that's what the promise of this time of the year is, is that Jesus has come and he offers you what you need. But you've got to notice that it's only those who recognize their need that get it. Those that are proud, those that are rich, it's kind of the sense of uh, we've got what we need. We don't need your strength. They don't get it. But those who are humble, like Mary, get strengthened. And if you look at the story of Mary, she's an incredible woman in an extremely difficult situation. I don't know how you ever discipline the Son of God. When he starts going through the tween years and he starts talking back, I mean, what do you do in that moment? You know what I mean? Anyone here in need of God's strength today? Oh, look out. It's all on this side. You guys, you guys are really pretty proud of yourselves over there, huh? <laughs> pretty good. Here you are, Justine. Merry Christmas to you. May God give you his strength today. So I encourage, there's one more present to go. I encourage some type of response. The last thing we see is hope. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. Hope in the Bible is not wishful thinking. My wife hopes one day I will have a six-pack. I hope one day my kids will have clean rooms. You hope one day 
I'll give a good sermon. (laughs) We have hope. In our context, hope is wishful thinking. There's something I wish I had, maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't. In the Bible, that is not hope. Hope is sure certainty. So I know that that's going to happen, therefore I live like this. This is why Christians should live like we are going to win. Because we know the end of the story. We win. We win because Jesus wins and we're with Jesus. So Christians, there's a sense of which we are never without hope because we know the end of the story. This is what she's saying. She's saying, I, I, I remember what you spoke through the past to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joseph, to Moses, to David. Like she, she remembers, she's like, this, this prophecy, like it felt like we were in this hopeless anticipation for 400 years and now I realize, no, 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 we were never without hope. We were always filled with hope. And now I know. And that's what gives her the strength to keep living the way she lives with the Son of God, to raise Him, to instruct Him in the ways. <laughs> I was thinking this week, like she probably helped teach like some form of Scripture to Him. Of which he's probably like, yeah, I I said that. That was me. I was saying it through them and then they wrote it down and then, you know, forget it, mum. You'll never understand it. It's like there there are these moments where like, man, this would have been so difficult, so complicated. What I love, one of my favourite things, what I love about Mary is that so many people abandon Jesus at the end of his life. So many do. His mum is there. Never abandoning him. And in fact, on the cross, Jesus actually says to her, Hey, mum, this is, this is John. He's my friend. I'm going. He, he's going to look after you. John, look after my mum. His mum is there all the way to the end because she knows. She has this hopeful confidence, this expectant certainty that she knows that this is the saviour of the world. And she is so sure that she is able to, in this moment, celebrate with anticipation that the promises of the Old Testament have come true, will come true, because she is sure that the one who said it is God. And I don't know where you're going, what you're going through. I don't know that the doubts maybe that you have in your heart about what is happening in your life and where is God in that life. And can I just say, this is why you've got to read this book over and over and over again because what you see is you meet not just the stories of the people of God, you meet the God of the people. The one who is always faithful. And yep, faithless, God faithful. Faithless, God faithful. Faithless, God faithful. Faithless, and you just read it over and over and story after story after story. And the people of God are sometimes so filled with faith and doing so well. And sometimes you're like, what are you doing? But the consistent theme across the story of the Bible is God is faithful. His promises are sure. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. So he will not leave you. And forsake you. That's the promise. That's the sure. And you can know that despite what is in, in your sort of your, your mixture of things that you're dealing with in this part of your life, whether it's relational issues, whether it's economic issues, whether it's health issues, whatever it is that you may go through, God's there, God's present, and He will not abandon you. He will come and strengthen you. He will come and give you grace, and He will save you. This is the promise 
of the king who gives gifts to his children. Is there anyone not on that side of the room who is in need of hope today? Great. This is a bit... Oh, it's heavy. There you are, sir. Merry Christmas. May you know God's hope throughout your Christmas period. Hey, church, we serve a king who's not distant. We serve a king who is not proud. We serve a king who is not self-absorbed and self-centered. We serve a king who loves and, according to Mark, seeks to save, seeks the lost, seeks the wayward, seeks the needy, seeks the hurting. And he comes to us and he gives us his grace, his mercy, his strength, and he gives us hope. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcast free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.